Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the June 2003 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. Why Am I a Mason? by Richard E. Fletcher, 33rd Degree. Every Freemason struggles with the answer to two questions. Why am I a Mason? What do Masons do? When you hear a Mason say, I can't tell you, it's a secret, what he is really saying is, I don't know and I'm embarrassed to admit it. In today's world, that answer will not be accepted. We need to be able to talk with those who have shown an interest in the fraternity. We need to be able to talk to the clergy who may have expressed a concern about something they have heard about Freemasonry. If, as Masons, we are not knowledgeable about our fraternity, how can we possibly communicate intelligently with our families, co-workers, or church associates? It cannot be stressed too strongly that we have an obligation, as a member of the Masonic fraternity, to become fully aware of the history and the meaning of our craft. The Donner Party Let me begin with a story of what is often called the ill-fated Donner Party. In 1846, a wagon train left Springfield, Illinois, bound for California. Many of the people in the train never made it. Convinced that a little-known cutoff would save a great deal of time, the wagon train was in fact delayed and was late getting into the mountains in the Sierra Nevada range. Virginia Reed Murphy, in an article titled Across the Plains in the Donner Party, tells the following personal story. I was a child when we started to California, yet I remember the journey well, and I have cause to remember it, as our little band of emigrants who drove out of Springfield, Illinois that spring morning of 1846 have since been known in history as the ill-fated Donner Party, or Martyr Pioneers. My father, James Reed, was the originator of the party, and the Donner brothers, George and Jacob, who lived just a little way out of Springfield, decided to join him. Stranded in the Mountains On the evening of February 19, 1847, they reached our cabins where all were starving. They shouted to attract attention. Mr. Breen clambered up the icy steps from our cabin, and soon we heard the blessed words, Relief, thank God, relief. There was joy at Donner Lake that night, and we were told that relief parties would come and go until all were across the mountains. But with the joy, sorrow was strangely blended. There were tears in other eyes than those of the children. Strong men sat down and wept for the dead were lying about on the snow, some even unburied, since the living had not the strength to bury their dead. When Milt Elliot died, our faithful friend, who seemed like so much of a brother, my mother and I dragged him up out of the cabin and covered him with snow. Commencing at his feet, I patted the pure white snow down softly until I reached his face. Poor Milt, it was hard to cover that face from sight forever, for with his death, our best friend was gone. On the 22nd of February, the first relief started with a party of 23, men, women, and children. My mother and her family were among the number. It was a bright, sunny morning, and we felt happy, but we had not gone far when Patty and Tommy gave out. They were not able to stand the fatigue, and it was not thought safe to allow them to proceed, so Mr. Glover informed Mama that they would have to be sent back to the cabins to await the next expedition. What language can express our feelings? My mother said that she would go back with her children, that we would all go back together. This the relief party would not permit. 
and Mr. Glover promised Mama that as soon as they reached Bear Valley, he himself would return for her children. Finally, my mother, turning to Mr. Glover, said, Are you a Mason? He replied that he was. Will you promise me, on the word of a Mason, that if you do not meet their father, you will return and save my children? He pledged himself that he would. My father was a member of the Mystic Tie, and Mama had great faith in the word of a Mason. It was a sad parting, a fearful struggle. The men turned aside, not being able to hide their tears. Patty said, I want to see Papa, but I will take good care of Tommy, and I do not want you to come back. Mr. Glover returned with the children and provided them with food, left them in the care of Mr. Breen. Historical Overview Let me weave that story into a historical overview. What is the character trait of a Mason that showed through and created this kind of trust? Would that story be told of the Masons today? Probably not. Not because we are less trustworthy, but because we are less well known. There seems to be very little sense of purpose or sense of direction in today's Freemasonry. Perhaps it is because today's sense of purpose is less well defined. We seem to have drifted into a calm sea of inaction instead of the raging torrent of activity we once had. Our past is so rich in its history, accomplishment, and sense of purpose that we have to reconnect with the kind of vision that empowered our forefathers. History cannot be relived, but it can be remembered. As Harry Truman so aptly phrased it, the only thing new is the history we don't know. Let me illustrate this point. When we discuss the origins of Freemasonry, it is extremely important to remember that Freemasonry did not begin, it evolved. The earliest Masonic document we have that scholars agree on is the Regius Manuscript, or Royal Manuscript, now in the British Museum in London. The Regius poem deals with how Masons should conduct themselves, and is dated about 1390. If anything was in writing at that time, you know it had an oral tradition which makes it even older. It's also important to remember that everything in our ritual and in our lectures has a meaning, a meaning often lost in today's world. For example, many of us have either forgotten or never learned why we have grips and words. We know what the ritual tells us, but we don't know why. Certainly our ritual has a deeper meaning than that expressed in Jackie Gleason's and Art Carney's Order of Raccoons. Let's go back for a moment to medieval times. You are a worker and a member of the guild, and you are out of a job. So you go to a job site, present yourself before the person in charge, and say you want to work. Only guild members are going to be hired. There's no email, there's no telephone, and there's no home office with a list of members. Everyone on the job site, with the possible exception of the architect, is illiterate. How does an illiterate man identify himself as a member of the guild? Well, if he has been taught a word that was whispered in his ear, or a handshake that only the guild members know, he can prove himself a member eligible to be employed. Even today, for those Masons who travel in foreign countries, we can identify ourselves with the grip, even if we don't speak the language. With this overview in mind, let's move on to the main subject of this article. Why am I a Mason? It is not unusual at the Office of the Masonic Service Association of North America to receive phone calls from the media and to be interviewed over the phone. During one of these interviews, a reporter asked me, Why are you a Mason? While giving the standard response, we make good men better, even on the telephone I could sense his eyes glazing over. He stopped me and said, listen to me, listen to the question. What is the draw of an organization that just does good things? I know you don't sell insurance, I know you don't have a national magazine, and I know you don't have a bar selling 80 cent beer. Why are you a Mason? This question set me back on my heels because it wasn't until then that I realized how difficult it is for a Mason to explain why he is a member of our fraternity. Not why he joined, but why he remains a member. 
This led me to sit down and think long and hard about this issue and to reach some conclusions that, for me, explain my Masonic membership. Please keep in mind that these are my reasons for being a member of our fraternity. They may not be and do not need to be yours. What is important is that you must, in your own mind, be able to explain with clear and well-defined reasons why you are a Mason. For me, the most important reason for being part of this fraternity is very simple. Freemasonry has helped me to grow as a person. Freemasonry gives its members an opportunity to develop and enhance leadership skills, management skills, and ability to work with others, and then stresses the importance of sharing these skills in the lodge and in the community. I'm proud and take great satisfaction in knowing my fraternity is tolerant and respectful of the rights, beliefs, and opinions of others. I'm deeply proud and have the satisfaction of knowing my fraternity was involved in the creation of this country and in establishing democracy and continues that commitment to this day. Freemasonry gives its members a sense of continuity and closeness because it has rituals spanning many centuries that links us together with a common heritage and background. I'm deeply pleased to know that my fraternity is an organization rich in history, having been in existence for centuries. I'm very proud to know that Freemasons are part of a worldwide bonding of friends and Masonic brothers pledged to recognize and help each other in our families. It strengthens me to know that I am part of a fraternity that stresses faith, truth, honesty, ethics, morality, and tolerance. What do Masons do? When we talk about what Masons do, we need to think beyond our charitable activities. Far too many Masons have come to think of our charitable works as the essence or sum of Freemasonry. That is not correct. Charitable activities are certainly part of what we do, and the part is that is very easy to explain. Charitable work is clearly visible. The public can see the results of the good work that is done. But men do not join Freemasonry because of our charitable activities. They join for a variety of other reasons. Self-improvement. There's no question that one of the most important aspects of Freemasonry is the opportunity for each member to improve himself. Freemasonry emphasizes people skills, such as leadership and the ability to work with others. When we participate in degree work, we improve our skills in public speaking. Freedom of thought. The Enlightenment, a term for the rationalist, liberal, humanitarian, and scientific trend of 18th century Western thought, is also known as the Age of Reason. Benjamin Franklin and Voltaire, both Freemasons, are always listed as prime examples of those who best represent the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment began the time when men could truly think for themselves and be able to express their ideas openly and publicly for the first time. The Enlightenment gave us freedom of thought, a freedom Freemasons are pledged to continue. Respect for religious freedom. As Freemasons, our only test of faith is belief in a supreme being. How you choose to believe is your own business. However, we are also pledged to support religious freedom. Masons have been hurt by intolerant zealots who lash out at us not fulfilling their idea of religious belief. But in spite of these occasional attacks, we must always ensure that men of every faith are welcome in our fraternity. Endorsement of Toleration Tolerance has been the hallmark of Masonry. We have accepted into our ranks worthy men who may not have always been welcome in society. Jews, for example, have been admitted into the fraternity since the 1700s, often during times when religious intolerance was being harshly expressed against them. Freemasonry resembles Ellis Island in that we welcome those of every creed, color, and national origin. We should not discriminate. This is not to imply that as individuals we have not done that, but when we do, we are going against Masonic teaching. It is the obligation of a Freemason to ensure that men of different backgrounds are welcomed into the fraternity. Community Outreach 
It has long been a subject of great debate whether the Bible says our religious commitment to God can be fulfilled by faith alone or by faith and works. Certainly my belief is faith and works combined. Our faith can be expressed in the religious beliefs that we embrace, but Freemasonry provides a way for good works to be done as well. These are done not in the hope of spiritual or public reward. Rather, good works are ways through which we, as men of faith, use Masonry to fulfill a mission of our craft, helping others. Community outreach includes many areas of involvement, but ultimately with the goal of improving everyone's life. That's why it is important that Freemasons should have leadership roles in their place of worship, as well as leadership roles in political positions. We need to work with youth, whether it be our own Masonic-sponsored youth groups, or acting as leaders in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, or coaches on sports teams. We should be volunteering in such organizations as Habitat for Humanity, or donating blood to the Red Cross. Once again, let me emphasize, this is not meant to be a list of everything Masons do. Develop your own reasons, perhaps using these comments to help stimulate your own thinking. Look around when you are in a Masonic meeting. All of us are not the same color. Some speak more than one language. Every possible ethnic background is represented. We span every religious faith, yet we come together in peace and harmony, calling each other friend and brother. That's a rare occurrence in today's world. This strong closeness and bonding is possible because we believe in God. Believe in God is the strong underpinning supporting our fraternity. Each of us has openly acknowledged belief in a supreme being, and that belief enables us to accept one another as equals. We are part of a worldwide organization pledged to do all we can to improve the lives of our families and of those in our communities, our churches, and in short, everyone with whom we come in contact. We are truly pledged to work for a better way of life. Ideals versus Realities I know many of you are thinking, well, those thoughts are wonderful and truly idealistic, but remember, I belong to a little old lodge out in East Podunk. We are lucky if we get enough members to open. All you say may be true, but how on earth do they affect my little lodge? Always remember the whole of Freemasonry is made up by the sum of its parts. Freemasonry is made up of all of its members and lodges, wherever they are located. It doesn't matter if you are part of a small rural lodge or part of a large city lodge. You are still part of Freemasonry. It is critically important that you make your contribution as a Freemason, wherever you belong. Another point to remember is from a review of a book, The Freemasons, by Jasper Ridley. In this book, Mr. Ridley gave an excellent history of the fraternity. The reviewer, Daniel Mark Epstein, concluded with these words, In short, no lodge of Freemasons could ever be any worse or any better than the men who build it. Masonic Tradition in the Modern World A few years ago, John Wayne starred in a movie about the Civil War. He led Union soldiers deep into the Confederate territory to destroy a railroad. At one point, the Union forces heard a train whistle and suspected it was bringing Confederate troops to the area. There was a lot of scrambling to put up barricades in the main street, and when the Confederate troops came up the street, they were led by a young man carrying their flag. At one point, he was wounded and dropped the flag, and another soldier immediately picked it up and continued on. In a very real sense, although not in much dramatic form, this is what Freemasons do. This fraternity is constantly on the move, constantly renewing itself, constantly offering a challenge to someone whose time it is to pick up the flag. When we enter our lodges, temples, chapters, conclaves, Bethels, or assemblies, let's remember our Masonic tenets and traditions. Let's truly understand what Freemasonry is all about and what it means to each of us. It is time to understand why we belong to this fraternity and what we propose to do with our membership. It's time we reconnected with our past and remember what our forefathers did to make our fraternity so great. It's time again to be visible to the world, 
so that it can be said of us as Virginia Reed Murphy once did. My father was a member of the mystic tie and mama had great faith in the word of a Mason. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.